Hey guys, this is Bruce and welcome to another Combo Courses episode where I'm going to be talking about open topics, but also I'm going to be teaching a little bit about um, NIST um, security controls. I'm going to specifically focus on um, uh, security control family SC. Um, before I start, you guys should know I have a website, ComboCourses.com, where I teach. Got a bunch of free stuff out there if you're interested in learning cybersecurity, specifically GRC type stuff. Um, just so you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I make six figures. I work from home. Um, it's a pretty good life. I can't really complain about my career. <laughs> I can't. I'm doing pretty good. So I'm here to teach other people how to do this. Um and let's get right into this. If you're interested in knowing more about this, if you uh, catch me on this live or whatever, and you kind of like scrolling through, we're doing whatever you do, uh, you should know on Amazon.com. If you go to my link description below, if you go to you can contact me in my profile, all that kind of stuff, you'll see that I have books out there. And uh, I've got books on how to get in the uh, cybersecurity, uh, how how I've been able to do this for so long, what I've been doing, all my secrets are all in this book. And also I just teach, I'll just tell you guys, if you ask me a question, I will answer it truthfully and honestly about how I've been able to do this kind of stuff. And um, this is the best time to contact me. I get a lot of people wanting me to do like one-on-ones um, -on and stuff. And to be honest with you, um, uh, it's more beneficial for me personally it's, it's much more beneficial for me to do this because e normally if a person has one question about cybersecurity, many, many people have the same question. So I'm getting the same questions over and over again. So it's just better to have this kind of thing where I'm answering one question for 50 people rather than, uh, you know, spending an hour with one person asking a question that I could have answered, you know, with, for 50 or, or hundreds of people. All right. So, um, Amazon.com. I've got books there. If you go type in cybersecurity jobs, you'll see my book there. I've also got one called Risk Management Framework. If you're interested in getting the GRC, it's a foundational course, kind of um, entry level, especially if you have some IT background, if you're interested in making more money with this kind of stuff. Um, I would like to teach a little something today about SE controls. I don't have any notes or anything. I didn't prepare for this. I just wanted to teach this. Um, I just want to, I just wanted to teach this. I'm, I, so I'm going to do it and, um, let me show you guys what I'm looking at here. I'm, I'm teaching on all platforms, um, right now, live on all platforms. And if you're interested in getting some free, free game, uh, that's worth a lot of money, um, stay tuned. All right. So this right here is NIST 800 SC controls. A lot of people think this is one of the hardest ones, especially some of the non-technical people that I talk to. They're like, man, you know, how do you do SC controls? And if, if, first of all, let's let's back up a little bit. What are security controls? Security controls means um, security features that you put on a computer. That's all it means. This is a fancy word for saying, you know, whenever you have um uh, you have to put, say, usernames on a system or you need to put uh, physical controls on a computer or you need to document the stuff on a on the firewall or you need to anything like this. If you whether you work in help desk or and whenever you work at a new job, whenever they're saying, hey, you know, you've got to do annual security training. That's all a part of these controls right here. And this this is just one set of family of controls. And it's really just the best practices that every organization should meet. 
And you can see there's there's literally thousands of right here. There's only about 100. But if you dig into each one of these has like a few dozen underneath each one of these. So this is actually what you're looking at is is a set of thousands of controls. And um, one of the control families that's one of the biggest, most important ones for your network. Net when we talk about networking stuff, it's called SC controls. So let me let me just go into the SC controls. So this is the SC control family right here. And like I said, it's for networking. So it's system and communication protection. It's a fancy word for uh, an off-brand word for network security. <laughs> it's basically network security. I mean, there's more to it than just network security, but uh, system and communication is dealing with the protection of the of that communication uh, of the data that's being transmitted on your network. For the DMZ, that's the for the outside of your network, the external network, the internal part of your network, like when you're sitting on your computer and you plug in and or you're on the Wi-Fi and all the data that's going on between on your network and then the D, what's called a DMZ, which is a demilitarized zone. And what that does, it's like a it's 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 not 100 percent locked down like your internal network is. And it's not uh um, it doesn't have the same security features as your external. So each one of those external and internal have different levels of security. The internal is kind of in between. So and it's it's to do things like uh, have um, web pages because on web pages for customers who need to see the web page of, say, McDonald's website, you know, they have to access the date, the computer just to see the data. So it's read only data. So they're they're seeing something that's kind of an externally facing data that's on. Uh, that's on your actual McDonald's network. You know, they control that data, but it's something that they have to allow customers to, let's say, log in or whatever they're going to do. So uh, SC controls, that's important to know, like the networking piece of security in order to know SCP control, SC controls. So SC controls is network. When you think SC controls, think network, network security, because most of it is all having to do with network security. Um, and let me kind of start from the top. Every time you get into these NIST controls, they're always talking about SC, um, um, a dash one. Your dash one controls in, in NIST is always policy and procedures. Policies and procedures is documentation. So what kind of documentation are we talking about? So a policy is going to be um, a plan to develop, document, and disseminate or put out that information to everybody. So say your network policy might say something to the effect of like um, of, of every time every system will have encryption. That might be your policy. And so in the policy, we'd break down like what what are the what are the restrictions on the, on the encryption is it every time we transmit is it with our data at rest where is our encryption and what kind of encryption do we have so it's kind of a high level of our organization will only have say uh this type of encryption aes encryption say and our encryption will only be when we transmit the data we don't do data at rest unless it's sensitive information so those are things that you might have in a policy and so um, you would just explain that stuff at a high level. And the reason why is because uh, when you 
go deeper, you might have different departments that deal with the data differently. They might have different kinds of encryption, different rules for the encryption. You might have a different rule set for, say, your testing team as opposed to your developers team, as opposed to your, your C-level executives. So you have all of these different uh, levels and layers that you have to accommodate. And that's why the policy has to be overarching. As a information system security officer, as a GRC person, you're more concerned with, is our organization as a whole doing it? Whereas if you are a help desk or if you're a network technician or a network engineer, you're more in the weeds. You're like actually fixing the systems that have to do the encryption. But as a GRC person, you're thinking about how, how is our organization as a whole meeting this or that regulation? And policies come from, here's another important piece. Policies come from on high. They come from they come from uh, federal, state, or industry laws. For example, if you work in retail, one of the rules, uh, rule sets that they might have would be something called PCI. PCI is the protection of credit card information. So whenever you go to Walmart, you run your credit card, your data is in Have you ever thought about, man, how is this? I hope my credit card data is, is, is protected. Well, it is. It was supposed to be. The organization is doing what they're supposed to do. Then what it'll do is it will encrypt your data and send it on its way. And then, you know, they'll that interfaces with your with the credit union or whoever you're using for your banking. And but it's all encrypted transactions. So all of that stuff has to be done on um, on the actual system itself. From a GRC perspective, someone like us doing policies, we're thinking about how can the organization meet uh, all of these controls. Like, do we have a policy in place? Do we have procedures? Are our technicians, are our help desk people, are, is everybody doing what they're supposed to do to meet this particular regulation that's PCI compliance, PCI DSS? Um, let's see here. Um, and I just got a question. Let me see. They said, just passed my security plus. Should I start with help desk? Um, should you start with help desk if you got your security plus you and then JP says you can, but you don't have to. That's that's a correct response. Um, I would start Terrell if you're watching this still, if you just got your security plus, and anybody out there who just got your an entry level certification, entry level security plus, whatever, uh, a plus certification, get in wherever you can fit in. And what I mean to say by that is whatever job that you can get, get it. It might be customer service. It might be a field technician. It might. The most important thing is to get your foot in the door, especially if this is your first run. You just want to get that experience because experience is 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 worth its weight in gold. Once you get your foot in the door in a position in any position when you're starting, then you can start to flesh out your resume. And the more experience you have, the more money you'll be able to command. It's just that's just how that's just how this whole thing goes. So. Yes, JP's right. You can do help desk, but you don't have to. There's tons of other jobs that you can do. You can do field tech. You can hell if if they'll put you in. You can even be an associate doing network engineering. You can be an associate doing cybersecurity. Wherever you can get in, like that's why it's really important to market yourself as a cybersecurity person. Okay, let me see. Let me see if I, I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions, and if you guys feel free, open topics. You can ask me any question. Um, I wanted to just go real quick on one of the most important pieces of SC controls. Like I said, SC controls deals with network security and SC1 
is dealing with the procedures and the policies for your network. And then org every organization should have a policy on how they deal with network security, how, how they deal with people having access to the network, how they deal with people uh, who, who have been fired or are moved on to the, another account or moved from the organization. How do you terminate their, uh, their account from being able to access the network if they don't need it anymore? How do you regulate people's uh, privileges? All of these things are covered by the policy, procedures, and processes, and it has to be documented. So that's SC1. Uh, let me show you another piece that's really important. And I won't cover all of them because there's literally like hundreds of SC controls. SC controls are the biggest family of, of any. Like it literally has like 100. See, SC goes to 39. But actually, it break, each one of these breaks down further into uh, what's called uh, security enhancements. So 39 has two. But, you know, SC5 might have 20. Uh, security enhancements. So you're looking at like 100 controls just in SC alone. And you don't use all of those controls, by the way. You use what you need in, in network security, uh, in, in a GRC. And um, let me see. Let me show you Nest 800 SC controls. And uh, let me actually, let me switch my screen here. Let me show you guys what we're looking at here. So here we go. We are on... We are on, if you want to follow along, you can just go to Google and type in um, NIST 800, N-I-S-T space 853, and you'll find all these controls, either as a downloadable or you can see even find the site. All right, we're going to SC controls. I want to show you a couple of big ones here. One of the big SC controls that is probably going to be prevalent to most organizations is going to be SC7. So SC7 deals with boundary protection. Now, this is important even if you're not a secure, even if you are in uh, IT and you are not going to be a GRC person, you're going to be technical. The reason why this is important is because if you put some of this stuff on your resume, if you've ever done any of this stuff, it's 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 going to get noticed by technical recruiters and, and HR departments. Boundary protection is super important, and I'll explain why in a second here. Boundary protection deals with monitoring and controlling communication at the external interfaces. What that means is anytime data is going out of the network for that organization, think of, think of your own network, your home network, right? If you're on your home network and you're, you're on your phone and you have to do banking, like from your phone, even from your phone, like you're on your phone, you're in your house and uh, you need to log into your bank. Right. So you got your phone and you're like, man, I got to transfer some money. Right. And you're so when you log into your app for your bank, think about the transactions that are happening as you're logging into your bank. Just think just just think about it. Right. So what's happening is the app is put you're putting your credentials into the app and then the the app is capturing that data encrypting it and sending it to your bank so it's going out of your network when you when you bring up your app the first thing that has to happen is that your system your phone your computer whatever uh has to 
it's going, you're, you're going from your phone, from your local network, and it's sending that data outside of your network. So it's really important that that data is, is, is protected, right? That is boundary protection. The data going outside of the network, it requires boundary protection. Now think about like what types of boundary protections do you need? Like for one thing, encryption. Like you have to have some level of encryption. Now, luckily, in your bank's case, it's done at the bank level, but some some banks are not or may not be as good as others. Like they might not have the proper level of encryption. And so this is where boundary SC controls get very important because you need to have a certain level of encryption. So SC7 covers that. It says proper. And let me just show you what we're talking about here. So let me just take it back to the screen and I'll show you and I'll read for those who are actually just uh, listening in on this SC controls. So it, it has a breakdown of the discussion. Actually, let me switch the screen here. It has a breakdown of the discussion here. And let's just kind of summarize this. So we're it's managing the interfaces for gateways, routers, firewalls, guards. And somebody said ACLs, access control list. Yes. So. This is who can access what inside and outside of your network. Demilitarized zones, all the outside interfaces, that's what we're protecting. Protecting. And it, when you get into the enhancements, this is where it's breaking down some of the technical features of your network. So it's talking about, first of all, uh, if you have, you have to have different networks. Now, this is, you got to pay attention to this and this because every now and then these things change from time to time. And all this is saying is that it's been withdrawn and it's been captured into uh, NIST. Uh, instead of SC71, it's it's integrated into the main body of it. That's all this is saying. So let's go to one that's still relevant here. Uh, SC73, access, control, access points. Uh, limit the number of external network connections to your system. So think about, again, think about your own personal network. In your network, at your house, how many connections do you have going in and out of your own network? So if you, every device is potentially a way to get into your network. And so you have to have protection on your network. And then in the, in some, it's firewalls, it's access control lists, it might be host-based systems. And nowadays, luckily, uh, a lot of operating systems have firewalls, host-based firewalls that are built in that have ACLs on them. So if somebody is trying attempting to try to get into your network, you know, you might have some built-in stuff. Another thing that uh, a lot of networks do, modern networks do, is something called network address translation, where they're not publicizing your uh, your public IP address to where a hacker could take that public IP address and get and then attack that system that you're sitting on that has that IP, you are you're protected by internal IP address. And then it's translated by a firewall or some so, sort of uh, internet gateway to a public address. So there's a there's a transition uh, that allows you to have a certain level of protection on your own local network that's done by modern networks, <clears throat> luckily. But in the back in the day, you didn't have that. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't have that. If you had an IP address, it was public. And if somebody knew that IP address, they could attack it, you know, just as simple as that. So 
you know. So anyway, in an organization, they do have to worry about that kind of stuff because when they get IP addresses, they have to figure out, okay, um, what IPs are going to be publicly facing and what IPs are going to be internal. Because you don't need to put every IP on the network, on, on, in, on the internet in order to do business. So once again, we're talking about limiting the points of access to your network. And if you have a bunch of public IP addresses, you're not limiting the, the access points. If every, every external IP is potentially a, a, a what's, what we call a threat vector or a way for an organization to get into your network. Um, so uh, somebody said, uh, MFA, zero trust VPNs. Yeah. These are all what JP's naming is, is a whole bunch of different ways that you can do, uh, boundary protection. And there's, there's all kinds of stuff here. If you read through, uh, some of these are, some of these will not be relevant to you. If you, you know, on certain networks, on certain in certain, certain organizations, they just won't be like, there's one, um, that's like a, a, a cross-domain solution. You, you, most people don't have to deal with that. That that's a very specialized uh, uh, system, or or a, a guard or gate. Or some some types of gateways are just not necessary. Even proxies. Sometimes proxy servers are not necessary. Now let me let me speak to you as a GRC person. Myself myself included in this discussion. I'm a I'm what's called I am I do compliance. So I, a lot of times I don't have to, I'm not the one configuring the firewall. I'm not the one doing, what is this, boundary protection, uh, route traffic through authenticated proxies. I'm not the one that's actually configuring those systems. Have I done it in the past? Yes, I have. Do I know what that is? I have some idea. But what I'll do is I will talk to my subject matter experts. That means the people who do this on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll talk to the network engineers and they will, and I'll say, hey, are we doing split tunneling for remote devices? Something like that. Now, I'm not up on split tunneling for remote devices, to be honest with you. I would have to read what product we have that's doing that and then how that works. I have got to get myself smart enough to go talk to the network engineers to ask the right questions. That doesn't mean I have to be smart enough to configure it. I have to be smart enough to know what the hell split tunneling is for, for remote devices and why we need to have it. So I'd have to sit down and read about what's going on with that. So SC controls for, for me, um, it can be a challenge because there's so many different solutions and devices out there that do it slightly different than the last device. And there's just so much going on with it. A lot of times, I'll be honest with you, I'm going on Google, right? Now, I have to know a little bit about networking to even know where to look. So, um, but I'm going on Google and I'm doing some research so I can actually be smart enough to talk to my network engineers because they have their, the thing about network engineers is that are really technical people is you got to be very specific almost pedantic like you got to break it down for them because if you're too general they're not going to know what you're talking about <laughs> so with sc controls a lot of times it's very technical and i have to take it piece by piece so if we're talking about an external telecommunication service i can't just go to the network services team and say hey i need to know about our 
external telecommunication services, I have to be smart enough in our organization to say, okay, what, how are we doing this? I've got to dig deeply into deeper into this to figure out what we're actually using and then know as much as I can to ask the right questions and use the right language for our network team, you know, and then I got to be able to articulate that same thing to the management people. So above all else with information system security officer work, GRC work, I have to be multilingual. I have to be able to talk to the technical people. So I have to know enough to speak to them. I don't know how to have to know how to to uh, to do take a proxy and reconfigure it. I don't have to know that. What I have to know is how it works and why. Why do we have a proxy? Uh, and how does it work? What what's the solution we have? That's another thing that will be good to know. We have let's say a a, a R, RCA proxy solution, and um, it's I've got to know like where it sits in the boundaries. Like, is it on the external portion? Is it in the DMZ? Where is it sitting? Does it have any vulnerabilities? Those are the kind of things that I have to do some research on as a cybersecurity uh, GRC compliance type person. But I don't have to know how to configure it. You know, some of those super smart dudes that are in the weeds. The thing is, they might be super smart on that thing, but they're smart on that one thing or those two things. They might be smart on super smart on the D, DNS part, the DNS piece, and say the the uh, I don't know the F five uh, solution, you know the and the proxy. But they're not going to know everything. Nobody knows everything. So us as cybersecurity people, you know, you got to be humble and learn enough to actually speak the language so you can get the required results, which for us is documenting what what we have out there and knowing what the, our risk our risks are. So in a lot of in some sometimes it can be difficult to do all that kind of stuff because you're bringing in the difficult part is actually the communication because you have to bring in the different you have to know enough to be able to speak the language for, to the technical person and then translate that to the management side of the house. And then sometimes even go to the C-level execs and present the same information to them. So that takes a large amount of humility because you're going to go in blind sometimes. You know, a lot of times I don't know. I'm not smart on proxies. Look, I, I've never configured one. I've never I don't know firewall rules, you know, so. I have to, I got to be smart on that stuff. I know what firewall rules do. I've done firewalls before, but it was in a past life, man. It was a long time ago. So, and then they're on some whole different solution for firewall. So I'm, I'm having to learn, like, I'm like, okay, so they're like, okay, we, we've got to fix the firewall. We have some issue with the firewall rules. Let's say they have any, any on it. And I know that's bad. Like I, I know that's bad. <laughs> so I know smart enough to know, okay, any, any on a firewall is bad. It means any uh, any traffic coming in is allowed and any traffic going out for the 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 target and the source is is just open. It's just an, it's just allowing traffic to go in with not no filters. I'm like, OK, that's not good. But what's happening? Do we have a filter behind the firewall? Is there somewhere else that we're filtering? I need to know that as an information system security officer person. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper on those things. Okay. So let me say, I got a question. Somebody said, Bruce, to be an ISO, what is the single most important item? Let me bring that up on the screen. 
the single most important item uh, in your resume that will help you to land the job. The single most important uh, thing depends on the job. And I'm not trying to cop out, but I can tell you a few things that have come up for me. So single most important. And the, the question is, Bruce, what is the, as an information system security officer, was the single most important thing to have on your resume? And it really depends on the job. And uh, I could tell you, uh, there's been times when the when having a CISSP was the most important thing to the organization. I, I'm just being completely honest with you. Um, there's been times when, or or Security Plus, those two are those two are huge for ISOs. The Security Plus and a security and a security the uh, CISSP are some of the most important. By all they're by no means the most the only ones you can get. There's tons of other ones that you could have. That will be relevant for ISO. Um, but my point is, there's been times when just my qualifications were were uh, the biggest thing. Experience is usually the biggest thing. Hands down, experience is usually the biggest thing. And when I go into the interview, that's the thing that they want to know the most. And it's, it's not necessarily experience like you might think. Uh, because it's not all... Sometimes... Sometimes... Uh, you know, they want somebody to be have experience doing ISO work, but that's not always the only experience they're looking for. Sometimes they're looking for ex technical experience. Like if you happen to have done IT before. I'm telling you, it's very valuable to have a technical background. Like if you've done help desk for four years, you've done help desk for four years and you know how to troubleshoot, you know, you've fixed service before, you've upgraded systems uh, to have the current patches, you've worked with the vulnerability management team, you've you've had to work with different teams in an organization, you're great at working with a team. You know, sometimes having that background as a technical person is extremely valuable to the organization. And they want you to have, they want somebody with that technical background to speak that language. They might want you to know uh, Unix because they have a whole bunch of Unix systems. They might want you to know cloud because they have a whole bunch of cloud-based systems. They might have a whole bunch of Windows uh, 2010 systems that they're they're refurbishing or they're bringing on to 2011, whatever new Windows device that they have. And so they need somebody who's super smart on that particular operating system to come in and know how to talk to the other technical teams that are put going to be installing those security features. So to answer your question, JP, it really depends on the job description and what the organization needs. Nine times out of 10, it's the experience, either technical experience or background in ISO work or, or whatever. Uh, but sometimes it's been, they just, they need a dude to have this sort of certification. It's been, um, let me see if, if there's any other things. Uh, sometimes it's been like specifically cloud stuff that they really wanted. Sometimes it was specifically working with the government that they really wanted. It was sometimes it was communication. They really want somebody who was especially in like more leadership roles. And they know you're going to be in a lot of meetings and stuff. They want you to be able to communicate really well. So when you get in the interview, you've got to like be able to speak very fluently about this particular topic. So it, it depends on what it is. Let me see. Uh, we've got some questions on TikTok that I'm going to answer. The first one is, do you have any new connections in, uh, 
Do you have any new courses that are in the works? Um, I'm writing a bunch of books um, that I'm breaking into a course. Like uh, the most current one that I'm working on right now, when I turn this camera off and one I, I was just working on today is called um, Cybersecurity Jobs Work From Home. I'm doing an entire series to help people to uh, to do what I've been doing, which is, uh, if you didn't know, I've been doing this since 2000. I've been doing IT since 2000. I started in the military. And when I got out of the military, um, I was, I've been able to have remote work since 2014. I've been working remotely making six figures since 2014. I don't say this to brag. Anybody can do this. It's not a big, six figures is not a big deal, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm telling people in my series how to do this. So if you go to, if you go to Amazon right now, there's a couple places you can go to if you're interested. If you go to, um, if you go to link in my description, uh, in my profile, you'll see a bunch of books that you can purchase that are, you know, fairly priced, uh, that I walk you through exactly what I've been doing. That's been working for me that I've helped some of my friends do it. And they have been able to do the same thing. Uh, so I've got a whole series of books there. And then those series, those, those books break out into courses. So I'm doing a whole, uh, work from home piece. That's going to be a very short book, like a little pamphlet. Uh, and, and it's, and it's going to be accompanied by a course. I've, I've given a couple people some access to the course. And right now it's like 10 bucks. The, the people that I've, that I've, that are, have access to it, get in there. And I'm breaking down exactly what I've been able to do to get work from home jobs, but I'm, I'm going a little bit deeper into it. Like the law, the, the federal laws, like ITAR and stuff, some of the restrictions of working from home. So that's one of the courses I have. One I'm building out is called a uh, security control assessor. I've been an assessor for a number of years. So I start breaking down everything that I know as an assessor. So that one I'm building out. Um, so you can check that one out. It's actually already out there. I release them early and cheaper. And then as I build all the hours and hours worth of data, uh, I'll increase the price. So those are some of the courses that I have in the works. Um, in the future, I, I, I might do like a NIST uh, security, uh, cybersecurity frameworks one. That would be, I could teach off the top of my head. And then I might do one like HIPAA or PCI compliance or something like that. It depends on what people want to see. So that's thank you for that question. Uh, let me see. Somebody said, uh, I watch your videos on GRC the other day. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. I appreciate that. Somebody said, um, the Lone Ranger says, uh, I want to get into cloud. Currently a bio um, a bio major and working on my A plus. I hope to get my trifecta before uh, graduate. So you're you are a bi biology, excuse me. You're a biology major. And you're trying to get your your A plus. And oh, so here's some advice for any college student. If you happen to be a college student, um, what I would recommend that you do that anybody, if you happen to be in college, you know. Um, and you want to get into IT, you want to get out there and, and make that money, right? You're not going to normally right out the box. You're not going to just make six figures. That's just not typically you're not just going to make six figures, but if you can, congrats, you know, but it, that's not though. That's not typical before you get out of your degree, whatever your degree you happen to be in, especially if you happen to be in STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and you want to do IT, you want to do cybersecurity. What you want to do is Start putting your resume out now. 
So it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it's one of the smartest things you can do. Create a resume or just a profile. Put it on LinkedIn. Uh, put it on uh, Dice. Put it on uh, Monster. Put it on Indeed. Put it on 10, the top 10 uh, job search sites. Now, you might be saying, well, Bruce, I don't have any experience. I, what am I going to put on there? You, you have a summary. You can put in the summary that you're in college. You're working on your A-plus certification. You're working on your security plus certification. You're working on towards your CISSP. Put that in there, you know, and then put in there, I'm looking for apprenticeship, looking for internship. You know, you can just put in right in there, right up top. And then in your degree, like in uh, most of the job search sites that have profiles, allow you to put in your college stuff. Even if you're not finished, you can put in progress, bachelor's degree, in biology, in progress, pop, you know, put it on there. So that way, when the recruiters are actually looking, you can actually have a job before you leave. You can have a part-time job working from home before you get out of school. You can have, uh, there's so many different opportunities for you if you happen to have the resource. You got to understand, a lot of people don't have the resources or time to do college. And so for this is, that's a huge win just to be in school at all, because some people just don't have the resources and can't afford to do it either in time or money so that's what i would do if i were you let me see somebody said where can i get a list of these controls okay that's a great question so these lists let me i'm going to walk you guys through exactly some of my resources that i use if you happen to be watching still so this is this is known as the nist 800 okay this is oh shit what did i just do so, okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, this is this is the NIST control family, and this is only one fam uh, family of controls. By the way, there's a there's a bunch. Okay, let me let me just show you a couple of them. Um, let me show you a couple. There's one called the NIST uh, CI uh, the CIS control family. Here it is, right right here. I'm just going to walk you through a couple of these, okay? This one's very popular for uh, private industry, and, and actually governments use this too. They've got a benchmark tool that's very popular, that's very good for determining your level of risk for your security controls. And another family of controls that's very popular, that's that's worth some money for sure, is ISO 27001. This is an international standard. And um, I don't know what the best site for this one is. We'll just... We'll go for this UK government site right here. All right. So here's, I'm going to show you these three places right here. Let's start off with the NIST. Okay. So to get to this one right here, there's a couple of things that you can do to find this one. All right. So first of all, um, let me see if I can give you the actual link. I can't give you the link on here. What can I actually do? Let me see. Um, Let's, Okay. Here's what I'll do. Just bear with me here. I'm, I'm going to show you guys in a second here how you can find this. What in the heck? Show you guys where. Bear with me. Bear with me. I'm going to show you on the screen here some of the resources. Um, the first one is going to be. CSRC.nist.gov. 
Now you can also just go to NIST, NIST 800-53, all right. All right, so I'm gonna show you a link here, just just kind of typing it out and then I'll read it, read it all out to you guys. So here's here's what I'm here's one of the sites I'm at right here. This is for NIST. If you're looking for the NIST family controls, here's where they are. There's a downloadable, all this stuff's free, by the way. On my course, all I do is break it down in, in um, layman's terms and give you specific cases and examples of how, how to do this if you happen to be getting in cybersecurity as a professional. So, but you, this stuff is absolutely free. It's just the way they word it is kind of like academia speak. And so it just, it's very confusing. And when I started, that was one of my main complaints about the stuff. But this is called NIST, the family controls that I'm, if you want to find it, it's called NIST 853. If you type this in right here, uh, you will find a document called NIST 853, and that's what you want to get to. This is the actual link right here of the control, the stuff that I'm looking at on the site. And that site is this right here, uh, csrc.nist.gov, right? So that's that's how you find that one. The other site, let me see if I can show you the other one. If you're interested in the CIS. Oh, and by the way, before I move on from this one, see the NIST 853 controls. This is mostly for the U.S. government. Now, organizations from all over the world do use parts and pieces of this thing. So it is it is important to know, and it's very um, lucrative if you know this stuff. Like, that I mean, they, that they, they're going to pay you to know this stuff. Like, if you know this one, if you cite this on your resume, if you talk about it, if you know what controls are which, and you, you put those on your resume, you you can get some money off of this on your, so you got to put it on your resume, okay? Um, even if like, if it's, you can even put on there, um, familiar with NIST 853, and that will also help you out. <laughs> I'm telling you, this right here is money. What I'm showing you right here is worth some money, just the information alone. Okay, so there's, that's the NIST, that's what the government uses, that's what the FBI uses, that's what the uh, Department of Defense uses is this is not top secret information. You know, this is something this is just a framework. Every government has them. Every organization has a framework. We're not saying anything that, that you shouldn't that I shouldn't be talking about. OK, so another control that's not used uh, as much by the federal government, but is used by many different private organizations is the CIS family of controls. And so that one, if you want to find this family of controls. You just go to. CIS security, uh, CIS security, and I'll, I'll show you the link here in a second. CIS security.org. Okay. And so let me show you that link right here. And like I said, this one is used by a lot of private organizations. This, again, if you put this on, if you put on there, you go through and read them. Now, I'm not telling you to lie in the resume. You should go through and read these things. Go, and it's, it's pretty easy reading, to be honest with you. Um, if you learned about CIS controls, you'll find if you've been doing IT for some time that you know most of these controls. You've used a lot of stuff before. You just don't know the names of it. And that's all I'm doing is telling you guys the names of this stuff. So uh, just read through this stuff, man. It's They've got a bunch of tools and resources 
for you. And I'm looking for the breakdown of the actual control families where you can. It's got so many downloadables and templates and all kinds of stuff for you to use. But um, let me just show you the control. These are the control families right here. And it's very similar to the NIST. If you know one, you kind of know them all. So when I was showing you all these controls and how it breaks them all down, this has the same thing, but it's like a it's like a stripped down version that gets straight to the point. And then you got the ISO 27001, which is it was right up there with the NIST. It's probably even better than the NIST, to be honest with you. But it breaks down the control families, too. And so if you want to find this, go to I just go to Google, type in ISO 27001. In fact, here, let me just let me just write down one of these resources for you. So this resource is the one I'm looking at here on the screen. It's coming from the the UK's government because um, they're the UK is the ones who originally made ISO 27001. Um, very, very well done. Very well thought out. And here it is right here. But if you type in just ISO 27001, you'll find all those controls. And it's very similar. Like I said, if you if you know one family of controls, it's really just the security best practices that every organization should be using. And so if you you put this, you cite this on your resume, you read through like the basics of it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've done I've done a malware protection before. You could say something like that you implemented anti uh, antivirus software on 2000 systems using CIS control family, whatever, using ISO 27,000 controls, using NIST 800, something like that. And I, you will get people asking you about this on your resume. So that's, I hope that that helps you. All right, let me see. Let me see if I have any other questions here. Uh, somebody said, um, where can I find this? Okay, we read that one. How many certifications uh, do you have? How many certifications do you have? I've got quite a few certifications. Um, certifications, by the way, is no measure of a person's level of knowledge. You know, uh, it just tells you how well they take tests, to be honest with you. I've got a CISSP. I've got IC, IS2 CAP, which is NIST 800. Uh, based. I've got, um, I've had the CCNA, Cisco CCNA before it's expired, long expired. Um, I've got Security Plus. I've got the old Security Plus that doesn't expire. And I had the other one, but I just, I let it expire. I just, there's no need for me to continue it. I've got the CISSP. So I had, uh, so two versions of Security Plus. I had Network Plus, which didn't do me much good, but it was good for learning. I've, I've got a bunch of a, a bunch of um, vendor level certifications that I had to get at certain jobs. I got um, I don't know um, uh, Recorded Future. I've got um, I don't know. Got a bunch of certifications, but it's by no means a measure of how much a person knows or how you know how skilled a person is that's what you should know about certifications a lot of people put some weight on it and i would i would argue that people who who are not into this industry they're the ones who tend to like really focus on certifications more than they really should the focus in the beginning should definitely be your your um your 
your experience, you know, not over experience over degrees, experience over and then degrees over certifications is how I'd rank it. But certifications are great to have. CISSP is is really, really good to have, to be honest with you. It that certification alone changed my life. But yeah, I've got a bunch of certifications over the years, but let me see if I got any other questions. I'm gonna go over to some questions that I have on on uh TikTok. I've got so many questions. I I started working, so I just don't have time to address them like I used to. I used to just make a bunch of content. Like as soon as somebody would ask me a question, I would just go ahead and make make content. But I don't have time for that no more. <laughs> I got too much stuff going on, man. Uh, let me see. Some, oh, I've got more questions here. Um, teach them the CSF first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CSF is really good to start with. Um, let me see. Uh, what are the best entry level search for government cybersecurity? Security Plus, uh, without a doubt, Security Plus. If you don't know any IT at all, if you don't know any IT at all, I would say you got to start from the beginning. But you can get into, you can do entry level cybersecurity. Okay, you can totally do it. But if you don't know, if you don't know I basic IT, you've got to know. You're not exempt from knowing IT stuff. So I was if you don't know anything, you need to start from the beginning, which would be uh, information. The one I started with is called CompTIA A plus certification. So I would start with that one. And if you another one is that I've heard is good. I don't have this one, but a lot of people have been contacting me saying it was it, it got them in there got their foot in the door will be for beginners like don't know nothing google support it certification it, i don't think it's going to make you 100 grand once you take it you're not going to get six figures walking out the door with a with a google that i think that's false i don't think that's real um but it seems like it's getting people in the door so that, that that's a good cert from what i've heard good government cert the best security cybersecurity entry level certification in my humble opinion is security plus security plus hands down bar none security plus at some point some other certifications might be as good like comp um i see is 20 is2 just came out with one called S certified in cybersecurity but it's new right it's it's really it's really new and then there's a sans has one called gsec which is an entry level certification I think that's kind of expensive. I would go with the CompTIA Security Plus. And um, here's and let me just show you the reason why. Here's the reason why I would go with the CompTIA Security Plus. The government, the federal government in particular, they go off something called the 8140. They used to call it the 8570. And that was one of the things people, somebody asked me that question, which I'll break down. But let me just show you what that is. Let me switch my screen real quick. And I'll show you why Security Plus is the best one to get. Bear with me. I'm switching over. Here, here it is right here. This table right here, if you go on to Google and type in 8140, you and then go to images, that's that's how I found this, this document right here. It changes from time to time. You got to check it out. This is not the latest one, by the way, but this has most of the, the main things here. So this AT1 right here, this AT level one, 
This means information assurance technical level one. And so this will be entry level, A plus certification, CCNA security, which is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know why that's there. And then network plus CE and SSCP. These are entry level government certs. Now, the reason why I said security plus is because security plus you'll notice is here and it's here. It's in multiple places here. And security plus, if you go in on indeed.com, this one has more, more employers asking for it. So if you don't know anything at all, you want to start with A plus and then from here go to the security plus. And this one right here is going to get you a ton of jobs. Once you have about three, four years of experience, go for one of these certifications, which are uh, professional level certs. And uh, these certifications are a IAT level three, which includes the CASP, the CCNP, CISA, CISSP, uh, GCED, and GCIH, which is incident handling. These are high level certs that are going to get you paid, paid, paid. So that's hope that helps you. Let me see if there's any other questions. Um, let me see. I work as an as an accountant and just got a degree in cyber. How do I gain experience? This is a really good question uh, for those who are are serious. How do you gain experience? Um, start where you are. So if it was me and I was account, I was an accountant and I had experience in accounting, one of the things that you could probably do as an accountant is try to go to uh, I would go to LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Um, and I would I would put on LinkedIn my experience on my profile. So I would fill out my profile and put my accountant information in there. And I would shoot for a IT job, an entry-level IT job in a finance sector because the financial sector has a lot of jobs. Let me show you what I mean here. If you go to, if I let's say help desk, right? For, you wanna start from the beginning. So let's say help desk. And if I went to, watch this. So you can filter, and let, let's, we're looking for a job. And you can look for industries. You, if you have extensive experience inside of the uh, financial sector, could go for a job in, let me see if I can find the sectors here, companies. Let's look at all filters. So what I did was I'm on, in, I'm on LinkedIn and I looked at all filters. Just click this right here. And you can go, go down to industries. See this? It says industries. And then you can search for um, financial sector. Let's see. Financial sector. Let's see pharmaceutical. There's, a, there's one right there. That's financial services. And uh, let me see. There, there was another one here that maybe I'm missing. Business and probably IT. So what's cool about this is that there's something called the big four. And let me see if I can find one of them here. The big four is a bunch of accounting firms um, 
And these are, and I'm, I'm not seeing them here, but these accounting firms are, and you may have heard of these, Pricewaterhouse, uh, KPMG, I think is one, and Ernst & Young, and then there's one more that I'm, I'm, it's escaping me. But there's like four different organizations, four or five different organizations, and they are very big with cybersecurity. If you have an accounting background or if you have any kind of financial background and you happen to have some cybersecurity under your belt or some kind of IT under your belt, you actually have a leg up on a lot of people because you know the lingo, you know what they're looking for, you know you have a certain level of experience in this in the financial sector that's going to get you ahead of the game with somebody who's coming who's coming in with, with who doesn't have that experience. Myself for for example, I I've worked with some banks and some financial institutions, but, you know, I have not done any Sarbanes-Oxley. I haven't done any kind of, I don't know their accounting rules and stuff that they might have that, that is specific to your industry. So what I would do if I were you, if I was an accountant and I was trying to get in IT, I would put that on my resume. I would, I would leave all my accounting experience in there and I put my cybersecurity stuff in there. And then I'll right on the top in, in the summary, I put in there what certification I had. And then I'm looking for a, a job in cybersecurity. That's what I would do. And um, you should be able to get a position. You know, if you keep looking, if you're aggressive about it, keep looking, you should be able to find a position uh, doing in, in one of those industries. You know, so that's what I would do. Let me see if I answer your question. Work in accounting and I just got a degree in cyber. How can I get gain experience? Yeah. So you want to start from the bottom. That's the thing. So start with like a help desk or customer service or um, one of those topics, technical customer service, something like that. Look for those jobs to get your foot in the door. Another thing you can do is if if you're in a job right now is start working on your try to see if you can work on your your organization's IT department. And sometimes you'd be surprised. Some organizations are looking for internally. They usually headhunt internally for positions. Look for positions inside the company to do some uh, work in IT. That way you can put that on your resume to get that experience. So that's two different things you can do right there off the bat. If you happen to be in school, the same thing. You can work at your school and ask them if you can help with the IT department. Ask them if you can help them image computers or something. That stuff you can put in your resume. You can put work with um, University of Kentucky to image 15 computers. Boom, you've got something on your resume from a reputable organization. So those are some of the things you can do uh, as an accountant with experience in accounting uh, and gaining experience in IT. Hope that helps. Uh, did any of your accounting deal with fundamentals of auditing? That's a great question. Oh my, who are who is this guy? Sea Turtle Lemming. Wow. That's so this dude right here asked a great question because a lot of financial institutions, they're really big on auditing. They're really big on auditing. As a matter of fact, look up a certification called the CISA. The CISA certification is highly sought after in financial institutions, CISA and CISM. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So CIS, 
CISA is called ISACA, ISACA, CISA. This is, this is, let me, let me show you my screen here. So let me show you what I'm talking about. So ISACA is a certification um, that deals with auditing. The CISA, here we go. Let me just kind of read to you. Some of this might sound familiar to you, as a matter of fact, because this is what Ernst & Young and uh, Price Waterhouse and, and all those big four auditing companies and uh, this is some of this is one of the biggest certifications besides CISP. Um, this is specifically geared towards auditing. I'm, I'm trying to look for a very simplified breakdown of what this one is all about. But they are looking for you to have an, a one year of information system security to, before you even take the cert. And let me see. Let me see. Anyway, okay. Um, let's see. This is all just freaking marketing jargon, man. Why don't they? It's weird how they're not breaking it down clear. Okay, I might be on the wrong part of this site. Isaka's website. I'm looking for their certifications. Maybe they have a better site, better page on this. Certified Information Systems Auditor. So this would this would be a great one for you to do. A great direction for you to eventually go in, I should say, because this is not a low-level certification. But as you can see, it you're going to be paid with this one. CISA is incredible, and it's really highly sought after in the auditing world and specifically in the financial uh, in the financial world, financial sector. So this would be a great complement to your to your accounting. You want to you would want to put that on your resume as well. Okay, somebody said I'm working on the Network Plus now. Could cert uh, could certs qualify you for government cyber jobs if you don't have a bachelor's degree in them? It depends on the job. Um. If it depends on the job. Let me let me show you what I mean here. If we go to Indeed.com, one of my favorite job search sites, it's just straight to the point. And if I was looking for um, a job in um, CompTIA, you know, we already did this like a week ago, and we were looking for jobs for CompTIA Network Plus. But I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? Let me let me just. <laughs> Let me just be honest with you about the network plus. I have a network plus. Okay. Let me just tell you. I'm just going to be perfectly honest about the network plus. Network plus is good to learn if you if you really are starting off from scratch with networking. Okay. It's it's the fundamentals of networking. Is it marketable? No. It's, it's not a marketable certification. I'm just being completely honest with you. Not a lot of employers are looking for it. They're looking for net, the, the A-plus certification, the Security Plus certification. And should you take it? If, if you're a beginner, absolutely go ahead and take it. Yeah, go ahead and take it. 
and then go to the next one. And the next one should be security plus. And let me show you why I say that. I'm not trying to look. I have the network plus. OK, I'm, I'm not trying to tell people not to take it at all. Um, it's a great start. But to be perfectly honest, it's just not something that people are looking for. So let, let me just show you here how many jobs came up. Eight, eight thousand. That sounds pretty good. Right. But what you'll notice here, we looked this last week. Uh, is that not many organizations are looking for it. And your question specifically was, can you do this without a bachelor's degree? And what you'll find is they'll look for a CompTIA Security uh, Network Plus. Um, government jobs are usually going to ask for a um, either a lot of experience or a or a bachelor's degree with that. So um, uh, you might be able to find them, but there's not going to be that many. Here's another one, Network Plus one. And you'll notice that these are not government positions. Okay, this one's $25 an hour. This is a great start. It's just all they're looking for is a GED or a high school. But there's Network Plus. See, you, you can see this is a, an entry-level position. All right entry level position and i believe this is a remote job by the way but 25 dollars an hour it's you're starting from the beginning that's not a lot of money for an it person not to say you shouldn't do this this is a great entry level 26 dollars an hour this is network plus i just typed in network plus okay so the answer is for government jobs it's going to be difficult but for any other jobs you can find network plus comptia network plus jobs um let, let me show you the difference let me show you the difference here security plus this is the one you want after secure network plus take security plus and here's why so nine thousand jobs okay nine thousand man what the heck nine thousand jobs when we search this in the u.s but here's what you'll notice is this the money is significantly better and these are this is creeping up on uh, the types of jobs you want to aim for. These are these are going to be announced. The net, this is software development, so we don't want that one. Network instructor, okay? Look at this, 45 to 50. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, Drexel, okay, let's keep going here. CompTIA Security Plus Bootcamp Instructor, no. CompTIA Security Plus, let me keep going here. CompTIA, let's see, where... Information security analyst. Here we go. $85 an hour. All I did was type in security plus. Take the security plus is what I'm saying, was what I'm telling you. After the network plus, take the security plus. All right. Um, because this is a government job. This is a government job right here. So to answer your question, no, Network Plus without a degree is not going to get you a government job. Just being honest with you. <laughs> but Security Plus might. Security Plus might, and it's going to pay you way better. So just, that's just my two cents. It's just what I've seen. I have I happen to have a Security Plus, Network Plus. I, you know, it was good to learn with the Network Plus, but not. it's not very marketable. Uh, let me see. 
if you code, go go contribute to open source security. Man, thanks, C Turtle. Man, he's answering some questions. That's awesome. Uh, we can't see it. Oh, sorry about that. Camera is is too close to the screen. Oh man. <laughs> I wish there was a way for me to do this on TikTok, but uh TikTok's not very I don't know how to show my screen directly on this. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, Security Plus, how much did you pay to pay for the state exam? Uh, Security Plus isn't that isn't that expensive. I mean, I took it a long ass time ago. So when I took it, it was like 100, 150 bucks or something. But now it's like $300. Um, Security Plus, how much does a Security Plus cost? I want to say it's about 300 bucks. How much for security plus? Anybody know that off the top of your head? I don't remember how much it is. $370 for the exam. A, a, a CompTIA um, security plus as of 2022 costs about $370. So, and I, I'm just I just got that off of CompTIA's site. I don't know that that fluctuates. You might be able to get a voucher or something like that. So it might be cheaper or, or more expensive, depending on whether you go to a boot camp or something like that. But that's the price for it. Let me see. Let me see. Deloitte. That was the that was the one. <laughs> uh Man, Sea Turtles put people on game, man. You guys need to read this guy. I don't know if you guys have seen this dude's comments, but holy crap, he's got some good information on there. He says, search for COVIDs. That's how that shows the framework. Good information. Most certs are under $400. Facts. Um, let me see. Disabled vet with security clearance. Thoughts on uh, first job. Disabled vet with security clearance. Thoughts on first job. What's your background? And as you're typing that, I'm also a um, disabled vet and uh, also got a military with a security clearance. I can really speak on this, but I need to know your background so I can show you like the best place to go. How and how did I obtain a security clearance? I can tell you how I obtained one. I was in the military and I got one through working security for the whole time. And then a way that you can get one if you don't have a security clearance would be to go to a company who already has a contract that has a requirement for a uh, a security clearance position. You would you would get a job uh, that already has clearances that that has uh, positions that need that need clearances. And then once you get into that job, they'll get you a clearance. And that's how you get a clearance. In my experience, I don't know how, if you could do that privately or whatever. Okay, so you said Army, four years, doing tier two, two years of armed security. So so this is my, my background, just so you know, is I was also armed security. I was in the Air Force for, I was in the Air Force for eight years total. And my first five years, I did armed security. I was a security police officer, security they call it security police and then security forces when I was in. And um, 
I actually work for NIST doing armed security as a supervisor. Awesome. Okay. So let me let me just explain. Okay. So <clears throat> I I cross-trained uh into computers. We call it comp at the time. And um I got about three years of experience when I was in the Air Force and um retained my security clearance. And then when I got out, uh <clears throat> keep your medical records, by the way. And when they ask you, are you, do you have any pain? Say yes and, and have all your records ready. Trust me on that one. Also get your VA benefits, like your v, VA home loan benefits. Or or don't listen to me. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> but I can tell you it's changed my life. Anyway, <clears throat> so I uh, I was in the, Ar the Air Force for eight years. I was armed security. I've worked a lot with the Marines with the with the army so i know what you guys are going through i know what you guys say about the air force chair force and it's actually true it is the chair force <laughs> the regular air force is the chair force but anyway i cross-trained from the from armed security to the chair force where i did nothing but comp computer stuff for three years awesome decision uh got out and was able to um do computers um so my advice to you, there's a, there's a few things you can do. You have a security clearance, so that's good. With a security clearance, doing physical security, you can actually get paid pretty well. If you're willing to go, if you're willing to go overseas, you can make six figures. Um, one of my partners, my old military buddies who still does physical security, by the way, what he did was he cross-trained into, well, he was out of the military, but he did personnel security. So from physical security, it's a real smooth transition to, to personnel security, especially if you have a clearance. Personnel security also pays, can pay very good, particularly overseas, all right? So that's one thing you can do. Um, without having to change, learn new things. I mean, you got to learn some new things, but it's not going to be a stretch because you already actually do a lot of personal security as a physical security person. So that's one thing. Uh, personal security. Um, another thing is if you do decide to go into cybersecurity, I want to move into IT. Uh, I did Kuwait for one year. Awesome. I was in Kuwait too. Do I know you? But who is this guy? Do I Do I know you? I was in Kuwait too. That's weird. Okay. Anyway, small world. So anyway, so uh, you want to move into, okay. So if you go into IT, here's, here's what I'll tell you. you. You're not exempt from knowing information technology. You have to learn the basics of it. Okay. And what I mean to say is what you're going to learn is how computers work. How, how, how does the CPU work with the RAM, work with the storage device on that computer. Every, whether it's your phone, a server, a cloud system, your desktop, your laptop, your, your notebook, whatever it happens to be, excuse me, whatever it happens to be, it's all computers. They all have work the same. You have to understand how that works. That's one thing, how do computers work? Another thing you have to know is the basics of networking. Like somebody on this uh, on this live said that they they took their network plus. That's really good to learn. That's a, it's a really good first start to actually learn IT. You got to learn how how computers work, how networking works, 
Another thing is cloud. You got to know a little bit about cloud technology. Um, you got to know about hardware and software. Coding won't won't hurt, but it's not an absolute necessity. You just need to know what programming is and how it works and stuff like that. You don't have to necessarily know C++ or JavaScript or Perl. Or if you do know it, that's awesome. That's really good. But you don't have to know it. To learn all this stuff, the basic IT, what I, I would recommend, what I did was I took a, a certification. Um, I actually went to school. And you can use your GI Bill if you have it. Use your GI Bill and go to school. The best thing you can do, the here's the best thing you can do. It's going to take longer, okay? But here is the best thing that you can do. Go to school. Use your GI Bill use tuition assistance, whatever you have, and go to school. It's going to do two different things, okay? Cert Everybody talks about certifications, but certifications is just one piece of the pie. Like, it's just one piece, and, and degrees are better than certifications. It's it's better. Like, it's better. In IT and cybersecurity, it's better than, uh, I hear that G uh, WGU is great for certs and degrees. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, WGU is a great, that would be a great plan. If you can if you can get the GI Bill to pay for your, G, your WGU, and here's another thing. Once you actually start the degree, let's say you go for a bachelor's degree in information technology and try to get certs as well while you're going for your degree, um, you can put that on your resume and tell them that you're looking for a position, but you're you also work. You happen to be you can put some of your your, your physical security stuff on your resume as well. That's what I did in the beginning, because actually now here's this is crazy. But in information technology, specifically cybersecurity, there's a component of cybersecurity that requires you to know physical security. Whenever I was doing assessments, they started talking about physical security and I knew it. I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> this part I know, you know. Uh, so whenever you do security control assessments, you're doing the technical piece, like where you're doing scan, running scans and you're, you know, looking at results of the scan and all that kind of stuff, or you're, um, um, looking at policies and stuff, but there's also a physical security component of it where you have to make sure that the system that's in place has proper physical security uh in place like camera systems and making sure that the um that they're uh the uh what is it called the the the, the doors are locked properly the windows are locked properly you have an eal lists and they have visitors logs and all that kind of stuff that you and i as, as physical security people know very well you know that stuff has to be in place to protect the system because the thing is if anybody has physical control if they can touch the system they can hack it i mean easily they can, there's things that they can use. If they can touch the system, they can they can get in there. So, um, yeah, so what I would do, the best thing for you to do, if you have the resources, and it seems like you do, go to a, a college like uh, WGU, go through their whole program, start putting that stuff on your resume as a college student. It'll take you about two two to three years to get through that. Or or shorter, this is a, you, they have accelerated courses you go through that. It's not going to be cheap. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's reasonably priced for uh, as 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 uh, universities go, you know. But if you can't afford that, if you don't have the resources, then go for certifications. 
you know, if, if you've got nothing else, go for certifications. And the ones that are great for entry level learning will be A plus certification. The reason why I say this is because I got an A plus certification and it helped me to not only learn how to do hardware and software troubleshooting, networking and security stuff, the basics of it, but also it's great for your resume. It's actually marketable for a help desk position. Then you get your foot in the door for a help desk position, get yourself about six months of experience. Now you've got enough to put on your resume and you can highlight all the security stuff that you've done. And that's very valuable. So that's like anytime you patch the system, anytime you put antivirus uh, signatures on that system, these are basic help desk things that every help desk person does. If you've ever turned on the audit logs, if you've ever had to teach basics uh, of the computer stuff to a, uh, to a client, to a customer on the other end of the line, walking them through how to remove viruses or something, those are all things you can put on your resume that will qualify you as a cybersecurity person. So that those are the steps that I would use. And actually, those are the things that I actually did uh, coming from a, a physical security background. Hope that answers your question. Do you do you think LinkedIn is the best place to start maybe uh, to find a recruiter uh, after a few certs? Um, no, no I, I don't think it's the best place to start. Um I think that the best place to start is as many platforms as possible. Um, uh, for me, most of my jobs, and being perfectly honest with you, most of the jobs that I've been offered have come from Monster.com and Dice. I get the most people contacting me on LinkedIn, but it's for uh, it's all for all kinds of stuff. Uh, LinkedIn is great for interacting with people. It's really great for interacting with people, but it's the better sites are the ones that have been out there longer, which is Monster and Dice and Career Builder. Those are the, for me, those, most of the actual jobs that I actually took came from one of those three websites. What you want to do is put your, your profile, even right now, even, even right now, because even if you have no IT experience, you could put in there your aspirations. You could put in there that you're a student. You could put in there that you have a security that you're working on your security plus you can put in there that you have a physical security background and people will you'd be surprised how many people will contact you and say hey are you interested you are you in the dc area would you be interested in working as a as a, a physical security boundary protection person you're like what is that and it happens to be a physical security guy who's sitting in their uh in their physical security um alarms room and looking at monitors and and looking at alerts, like notifying different people of alerts. This cybersecurity, this physical security jobs where you have to work on systems like Castle. There's a system called Castle that it it's um, you would actually have to learn a little bit of cyber of of uh, IT stuff. But you're sitting there in Castle, and there's lots of other systems that do this. It's it's looking at all of the video feeds from their from without all their facilities and it's looking at logs like it's co collecting logs from anytime somebody goes in and out of restricted areas you have to know how to navigate through castle so you have to learn a little bit of it stuff to to even work with castle you be a monitor i, I can't remember the name of it it's called it's like a, a monitor and those guys get paid pretty good by the way those uh, those uh, physical security monitors that they're sitting in a, a room and they're just looking at monitors. They're backing up the video logs. They're looking at alerts. They're notifying people, making calls and stuff like that. Let me see. 
Somebody says, I'm working on a TS cloud assessment now. Awesome. Um, and by the way, like once you put all your once you put all your information out there, you're going to get you're going to get so many recruiters contacting you, you know, and the more experience you put on your resume, the more certifications, the more skills, the more you fill out the profile on Dice, on Monster, on uh, ZipRecruiter, on all of these different sites, on LinkedIn, on all of them, the more people are going to contact you. But you got to spend the time to develop your profile. That's how, that's how I've been able to get all these positions. If you're interested in this, go to my link in the bio, go in the description below. I've got a whole book i've written literally written i'm writing a whole series of books go to amazon.com right type in um actually just go in my link in description just go in my bio you'll see all the books right there that i've been writing and um i've got actually have an audio book of it if you don't like if you're not a reader you know you can just go to and if you happen to have they actually are giving this thing away one of the things i don't like about freaking Amazon. So it's giving my book out for free over here. <laughs> Look at this free audio book. Cheap as hell. Cheap as dirt. Free. I'm walking you through all the stuff that I'm telling you in this book and in this audio book. And there's a paperback version of it as well. Here it is right here. Two book series so far. I'm adding more books as we go. And if you are interested in going much, much deeper, I have a whole site about this. On uh, If you follow me, on combocourses.com. Uh, a lot of times I'll give this stuff away for free. Um, as a matter of fact, the sample resume that you can download for free, all, all you got to do is sign in and you get these sample resumes, sample resumes now, not not templates, sample. Like it says that it has the actual verbiage you want to put in your resume. If you're super into this. And if you are serious about this, I have courses that are walking you through it. And you ask me questions just directly on email. You bought the course. I will tell you, I will look at your resume. I will help you out with this stuff. And if you're super duper serious, I got all kinds of stuff on combocourses.com. If you're interested, I also have a uh, podcast where you can listen in on, on this kinds of stuff and me answering you guys' questions. I do this once a week. At least once a week. I'm trying to do it like a little bit more than that. But uh, if you're interested, there's there's tons of stuff out there. Currently living in the DMV area as well, man. DMV area. That's D.C., Maryland, Virginia has has the most cybersecurity jobs for the government anywhere on the planet, um, and they pay pretty good. Compared to the rest of the United States, I don't know. I don't know if you guys knew that. I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but they get paid quite a bit more than other people in the United States. You should know. All right, let me let me see if I can answer some questions here. Answer some questions. I don't know if I've I've been getting so many questions. Uh, let me see. WGU is the best route. Look at this. People people know what's up right here. They know what's up. WGU is the route that I'd go if I had to start over. Degree plus industry level cert equals gold. This dude's right. This guy knows what he's talking about. Joker knows what he's talking about. 
Yes, I was living there. He's talking about DM, the DMV area. I was living there, however, very stressful there. Um, yeah, I don't. The whole East Coast for me is a little bit much. It's just too many. I think maybe it's too many people in one place or something. Like people are kind of mean. People are not are not nice. Is it just me or are people just not nice on the East Coast? I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it seems like people are not nice. Uh, WGU seems like it's the best unlimited classes, and you pay for six months, right? Um, there's also this dude on on TikTok. His name is Chris, and I don't know I don't know the name of his site, but if you type in WGU Chris, this dude just recently blew up. He's a cybersecurity guy. This dude, what this dude did was brilliant. So he went to WGU. He got a, either a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. He did it in six months. And then he also got a uh, OSCP, which is a professional level cert. And he did this all in six months. So he must be a pretty clever dude. So he did all of that. And now he's he's making six figures working from home. And he like travel here and there and stuff. I'm like, damn, that's, that's a brilliant move, Chris. <laughs> that's, a, that's a brilliant move. I did go to two different wars to get what you got. But hey, man, like, I'm not hating or anything. Uh, Yeah. So let me see if there's any other questions here. Are you likely to get hired if you tell them that you don't have experience in certain areas, but you have worked alongside security analysts, as you said? Um, It depends on the position. Um, if I, I'd say really... What it really comes down to <clears throat> with getting jobs and all these job offers I've gotten. So this, let me back up. So what what's going on <clears throat> is I get job offers probably, I, I have a, probably 20 opportunities a week, right? And it was more than that before the recession, much, much more. I, I'm getting calls throughout the day i'm getting messages on linkedin on all the job sites that i'm on uh and of those 20 plus like say 200 opportunities of people contacting me is probably five or six a month that i could literally apply for and i'd get an offer i'm pretty sure i get i get a interview put it to you that way i get an interview interview doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the offer but I would get an interview for sure. <clears throat> that being said, how how your next question should be, how is Bruce able to do this? And the the way I'm able to do this is in my book, but I mean I'm just gonna break it down to you right here. Number one, I my resume is tight. I put my experience on there with a bunch of keywords. If you want to know what keywords to look for. Go to LinkedIn. This is the best thing about LinkedIn is that other people are posting their real resumes on LinkedIn. So if you are trying to be a cybersecurity analyst, what you want to do is look at look at what other people are putting on their other cybersecurity analysts. What are they putting on their resume? Especially the guys that are on top. You just go to LinkedIn.com. You type in cybersecurity analyst. You look at the top people. I'll show you. I'm going to go to LinkedIn. I'm going to show you step by step what I'm going to what I'm going to do here. You can literally follow along with what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you live how I do this. So what I do is that first, let's go to LinkedIn.com. Let's go here. Let's go to this is CompTIA. Let's go to LinkedIn. 
This is what LinkedIn is best for, stealing. I'm going to go to LinkedIn, okay? And I'll, I apologize in advance if you're not able to see this. But here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to type in cybersecurity analyst. You can see I've done this multiple times. <clears throat> We're looking for people right now. We're going to look for jobs next. Here's people right here. This is all in my book. If you're interested, link in the description below. Go to Amazon.com. Buy the book. Uh, it's practically free. Walks you through exactly what I'm telling you. So <clears throat> see these people on the top? There's a reason they're on the top. The algorithm is choosing them. So what you have to understand is that means that recruiters, when they are doing the same search we're doing, they're seeing these people pop up on the top. Now, most of these people have jobs. They, they, most of these guys are have jobs already. We want to get in there too. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to this person's uh, profile. And we're going to look for what they're putting in their resume. Now, not everybody fills out their resume, resume properly or sometimes they have it on private. So this person has, I think, has a lot of their stuff on private uh, and their, their resume is not filled out uh, at all um, much. So let's go to the next person. So something is happening in that. You notice, look, look at this. Right away, you see that they put this right on top. This is right on the top of their profile. You want to put this stuff in your profile. All right. So let's let's look at this this person's resume. What I'm looking for is lots of keywords. Now, this person has a lot of their experience in there, but they don't have a breakdown. They're not I think that they put some of their stuff on private. So, let's go to the next one. Let's go to to this person. This is these guys are top of the food, stand, food chain. And look at this. They put in the about section here. We want to copy like what kind of keywords that they have. Off the top, off the rip, we could see a couple. Cybersecurity analyst, CISSP, secure cybersecurity specialist. This person has a security clearance. These are, these are some key words you want to have on your resume. If you have these things, these are valuable to employers. Cybersecurity analyst. Now, this person has fully filled out what's on there. ISO. I'm seeing keywords. As I'm reading through, I'm seeing keywords. This isn't the best resume in the world. But one thing that this guy has is a bunch of keywords all over the place. All over the place. And that's why this person's ranked in the top four of LinkedIn. You want to have this kind of stuff in your resume. This will give you an idea. Now, if you are like, well, Bruce, I don't have this kind of experience. If you look through this enough, you will see things that you have done in your career. And at the very least, if you happen to be a very new person and you're trying to get in this field, this is going to give you an idea of what you should have go for on your resume. This has this guy has security plus. He put network plus on there. Um, this person put that they have 14 years of aviation experience. That has nothing to do with IT, but it tells you that this person is a technical person. So that's relevant. That's relevant. Like somebody earlier asked, like, hey, Bruce, I have I'm an accountant. Actually, you know, you might not you might think, well, an accountant, what does it have to do with what does a CPA have to do with cybersecurity? Well, it's it's a lot because if you happen to be in the financial sector and you've done audits before, that actually will help you quite a bit. And you can go for a CISA or you can go for a Security Plus, and that'll also help you. So there's things that you can do 
uh, and put on your resume like this dude has done a very smart move to be marketable. So so that's that's what you're going to do. That's the first thing you're going to do. Tighten up your resume. OK, once you've tightened up your resume, you've got it chock full of keywords. What you want to do is market yourself. And the way you market yourself is you're going to put yourself on LinkedIn. Let me give you an example of what I've done on my LinkedIn page. So what I do is I fill this whole thing out. I fill this whole thing out, fill out every aspect of my, and you don't have to go crazy like me and put like, have like I'm posting every day on here and you don't have to even do all that. Uh, but you need to put uh, an about section. You need to have your experiences on there. You need to fill out your experience and put keywords in there. You need to fill out. And if you're, one don't know like how you do this it will tell you like it'll walk you through all the stuff that you need to put on your profile you need to do this on linkedin on dice on monster on career builder on on zip recruiter on at least 10 different sites you put up you put your profile on all 10 of these sites and i guarantee you you will get more people contacting you you than you know what to do with especially if you have experience in it and you're you're putting that stuff in there so that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And if if you're interested in getting a bunch of different um, people contacting you and a bunch of different opportunities, that's what I've been getting because I market the hell out of myself. And I've been doing this for years. I had no idea uh, that I was I've been doing all this stuff the correct way. Um, but my results, my results have been speaking for themselves. So. That's what I've done, and I'm, I'm encouraging you guys to do the same. If you're interested in going deeper with all this stuff, then go to let – me, let me show you what you need to do. First step, first thing you can do, if you want to go super deep, go to combocourses.com. I've got a ton of stuff there that you can look at. Free stuff, by the way, lots of free stuff. All you got to do is the price of signing up that you get a whole bunch of free downloadables. My, my resume, I literally put sample resumes that you can download for free sample resumes with a quick video and a breakdown like I'm doing here about why I put the stuff in the resume and what you're going to download for free. There's like three different sample resumes with real stuff, one of which I use to get jobs all the time, job offers. Um, so that's one of the places you can go to that has a ton of free stuff. If you're serious, you can get the course, uh, interact with me and stuff like that. If if you're on a cheaper budget, a budget, smaller budget, go to Amazon.com. Type in, uh, you can either type in Bruce Brown and find me there. But it's a pretty common name, so you probably want to just type in uh, security jobs, cybersecurity jobs, and you'll find this book right here. This book right here. This book has a has two different series in it. There you go right there. These both have audiobooks. Audiobooks are pretty free, uh, pretty cheap, and sometimes you can get them for free if it's the first time on Audible. They're like a two-hour book, two-hour read, one to two hours, gets you right through it. That's one thing you can do. If you're into risk management framework, if you want to learn more about the stuff I was talking about earlier, um, you just go do this. Go to risk management framework. Um, Actually, it's called um, RMF ISO, and you'll find these books right here. These are my books. I've got two books in the series right now. I'm working on a whole 
series of books. Like it's going to be, this one's going to be, I think I'm going to stop at three. I'm working on another one called security uh, assessments. So that one's going to be a part of this uh, series right here. It's also have audiobooks as well. <clears throat> and you can also get them directly from the site combocourses.com uh, where there's downloadables and, and some other stuff as well. Um, JP says CAP certification is all risk management framework. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I have the CAP, ISC2 CAP, and it's all about uh, NIST 800 um, risk management framework. Specifically, the documents are the ones you're going to read are NIST 837, um, FIPS 199, FIPS 200, NIST, um, NIST 800. 30 and there's a couple of other ones but those are the main things that it focuses on teaches you the seven steps yep uh and who does what yep it has it, it talks about the stakeholders who's involved with each part of the process and which documents are used for the s sspp which is system security plan and sar which is a security assessment report and it also has a, a sap Security Assessment Plan, and a POA and M, which is Plan and Action and Milestone. So those are all things that uh, some of the terms that you might see in the CAP, ISC2 CAP. And um, what my course does is break down like, who, like more, it's more practical. It's not just talking about like just the steps about what you do in the steps as an ISO. It's speaking from to you as an ISO from the perspective. What do you need to know about this process? That's what mine does. It does. It's not going into the cap because the cap is a breakdown of like it's it's more academic, to be honest with you. It's not going to it's so far removed from what you actually do that. <clears throat> and I've thought about actually doing. Uh, doing the cap, I mean, doing a cap course, but it's so far removed from what you actually do that I'm like, eh. It would be more useful if people um, if people do that, if, if I tell you what to actually do. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, being from the East Coast is definitely, uh, I can definitely say that it's a lot of unfriendly people here. <laughs> really? Is that what it is? Um, I mean... Actually, the food in the East Coast is is actually magnificent. Actually, I, I I do miss the the food. The food is better on the East Coast. I think I hate to say it, but I think it's true. Um, New York. I went to New York, and wow, that food was so good, man. It's almost it's almost worth worth the risk of going there. <laughs> that food was so good. Like I had some like halal. Um, Meat. I don't know if you guys ever messed with that, but man, it was so good and it was healthy. And then the pizza, of course, the pizza was great. And uh, man, it was really good. I like took my family there and stuff. And we just went to we're just like going in New York City and just walking around. It was, it was surreal. It was a surreal experience. It was incredible. And then Virginia, D.C., Maryland area, most of the jobs I work for remotely are out of that area there's so many opportunities there said food is great no question but i literally can say good 
uh, good morning and they look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. What is that all about? It's like if you're nice, they see it as weakness or something. I don't I don't understand that 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 attitude. Maybe it's because there's my theory is that there's too many people like whenever I've gone to places where there's too many people in one place, people tend to be a little bit more rude. Like even in like Philippines and Philippines, Manila is very crowded. And the people, the people all, first of all, Filipinos are super nice, but compared to the U.S. <laughs> but there's a difference between Filipinos who are in Manila than Filipinos who are in like Cebu, like which is it doesn't have as much population. So I think that the more people are in one place, like people just are more mean. They're not more mean, but just like they don't value humans as much. Whereas if you are, I lived in Montana for a year and people, when you drive by they're, you know, they put their hands up. And at first I thought they were flipping me off. I was like, what is, what's wrong with this place? But it turns out they were just waving to me because there's less people. So you're driving past people and they would wave to you. I'm like, but this is weird. So in the, in the Midwest, people are super nice, but there's nobody there. <laughs> it's like, so it's kind of a trade-off, you know, and, and then the food is not as good here either. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's just not as much cultural intermingling, you know what I mean? And you might be the only black person within like a thousand miles. Like that sucks, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Let me see. Uh, would you be able to get into the risk management framework space at, at 20? Currently taking an eight week risk management framework course. Yeah, Robin, absolutely. Yeah, you can absolutely get in the space. You know, one of the things that's happening here is that uh, we have a, a huge need for cybersecurity people of all walks of life. You know, I had somebody ask me, I'm 45, you know, can I still start in risk management framework? Um, yes, you absolutely can. Uh, there's a huge vacuum that's in place right now for for cybersecurity work and cybersecurity jobs. It's not a lot of people who want to do this. And let me just show you, like there was in June of this year, 2022, this is still going on. Um, there was this huge um, briefing from the White House saying that they, I need to wear my glasses. I can't, wow. <laughs> so check this out. I just want to show you this. This this was recent. This was uh, 2022. And there's this huge need for cybersecurity jobs. 700,000 deaths from COVID. Okay, that's that's not what I was trying to bring up. <laughs> that's not what I was trying to bring up. Cybersecurity jobs. I apologize for that. Cybersecurity jobs. Uh, I'm getting old, man. I, I need to wear my glasses. So, yeah, okay. Let me see if I can find it. This right here, this is, um, there was a summit in July, uh, June or July, and they were looking to fill 700 jobs across the United States for cybersecurity. This is real. This is, this is not just fictitious, crazy numbers being thrown around. Uh, there's really a need for cybersecurity people. There's just not enough people in the U.S. doing this work. Um, and <clears throat> and for some reason, there, there's a huge lack of, of Americans who want to do STEM work, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 
And cybersecurity is a part of that field that's been being hit where we just don't, we're just not getting enough people to do it. And as a result, there's a lot of like, whenever I, my last job, as a matter of fact, I worked at Verizon. We had, now it's an international company. So we had people in South, South America. We had people in Japan. We had people all over the world that's working with us, you know, who need to be native speakers of that, you know, but man, there are so many foreign uh, nationals who I work with on a regular basis who are working in all of these different positions doing cybersecurity because we there's not a lot of Americans that are wanting to do it. Like not that, you know, national foreign nationals are not. What, what I mean is that there's a lot of people who, who had just gotten to the U.S. who are from India or from Vietnam or from Philippines or from all these other countries who are now citizens of the country who were who are working this this who are doing this work, but not a lot of Americans who are, you know, third generation or even in some cases, second generation can't even find second generation Americans. And I'm not saying that's bad. I think that's awesome. I, I, I admire the hell out of uh, of uh, foreigners who come here. Like, I think it's great that U.S. is sucking all the talent out of all these different countries and say, hey, come here, come here, work for us, work for us. You know, I think that's awesome. And that's why there's so much innovation, and all the stuff going on here, because we're just like a brain drain on all these other countries. But it would just be nice if more people here would do it because me as a cybersecurity person, I'm having to wear like two or three hats to do this. So yeah, if you're 20 years old and you're trying to get into this, man, that's great. When you get, when you break in it, you're going to be surprised how many old people there are here. I am, I am nearly 50 years old and I was not the oldest person there. I was like a kid because it's an old, <laughs> it's, <laughs> there's going to have to some point, be a changing of the guard to a younger generation because man, I mean, I don't know what's going on with, with millennials or Gen Z, but man, there's not a lot of you guys doing in in my from what I've seen in the government jobs. Maybe it's different in Facebook and Google and stuff, but man, it's not a lot of younger people doing this work for the government. And it's too bad because they uh they're 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 paying. They're paying some good money out here. Uh, military has a good flow. You think so? Do you mean like good people coming in, like younger people coming in? Uh, let me see here. We are now in hiring high school students part time to train them up. And that's awesome. Sea turtle, man, that's great. If you don't mind me asking what 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 field are you in? I mean, what industry? Uh, what part of the U.S. do you live in? Um, I live in, I'm in Colorado. Um, I'm in the Midwest. People are very, it's it's a very nice place, you know. It's not very diverse. Colorado's, I, I, I really like Colorado. It's really become my home. Uh, I would say Colorado is, is a very progressive place. Like a lot of people talk crap about California, but, but Colorado is the most progressive place I've ever lived in. Um, we have, we have a gay governor uh, he's he's awesome actually he's 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 very he's very done he's he's done really good things. They've legalized marijuana. It's one of the first states to legalize marijuana. They just legalized uh, 
uh, magic mushrooms for medicinal use. <laughs> this place, you could walk around with a, a gun anywhere, uh, just about anywhere. Uh, you, This place is super progressive, man. I, I actually like Colorado. Um, I actually like it's a good mix of of both worlds. It's not all, you know, super left or super right. It's a really good combination of both, I think, depending on what city you go to. The only problems I have is that there's not a lot of diversity. What I mean is um, there's not a lot of people of color here. And um, that means you don't get when you go to California or the East Coast, there's a lot more diversity. You get all these wonderful food and exposure to all these different cultures. And, and it's just really one of the things I really miss about uh, California. You know, I, I don't miss much else about California except the weather. <laughs> it's like the weather and the diversity are the things I miss the most, but everything else is they have it. Uh, let me see. Currently bouncing between New Jersey and Maryland. Awesome. I'm in cybersecurity. I'm a cybersecurity architect. The technology is growing more rapidly than than human resources. Yes, that's exactly right, Mia. Like it's growing so fast that um, it's hard to keep up with it. And so, as a cybersecurity person, we're having to wear all these different hats. Like we're having to do all of these things. Like you, they'll get you in and say, "Okay, we want you to be the cl the cloud guy." And then all of a sudden you're doing policies and procedures and you're 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 looking at vulnerabilities and you're doing assessments. It's like, yo, like I don't have enough time in the day to do all this stuff, you know? So we definitely need more people. Uh, let me see. Colorado, very progressive due to the lack of oxygen. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's all it's it's awesome. It's it's a great place to to raise a family. It's it's nice, man. It's a it's a good mixture. The place I live in, um, if you want to have a, a gauge of how crazy this place is, is that you have a, a our governor is gay. Uh he's awesome, by the way. He might be president one day. He's he's awesome. He's a super smart dude. But then my local congressperson is Bobert. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Uh, but she's all over the news. I mean, you, you want to talk about I am not going to get into the politics of it, but it just it's just this. They it's just a large scale of of extremes and and we're somewhere in the middle. Colorado people are somewhere in the middle. Uh, Mia says. Says, yes, or you'll be liable to the company and clients. Yeah. So. In cybersecurity, like what I've noticed in the last few jobs I've been in, they'll, they'll, I can't, I come in and it's like, okay, we want you to do ISO work. And then I come in and I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm talking to uh, different people in the organization to do a system security plan. And then they're like, hey, do you know ArcSight? Do you, know, it says on your resume that you know how to do seam work. Could you, could you look at this seam? Like the seam is broken. Could you take a look? I'm like, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, you know, here. And then I'm the seam guy. And I'm doing ISO work. And then they're like, hey, um, the vulnerability team needs you to look at something. Could you take a look at these reports? Like, yeah, sure, I'll take a look. <laughs> Pretty soon I've got like four or five different hats on. Uh, let me see. How much to start? 
Uh, we need to, we need another cheat wars. Okay, I don't know what you mean by that. Depends on the region and cybersecurity research. Yeah, how, okay. I'm, I, I imagine you mean, you said how much to start. I imagine you mean, well, like in a cybersecurity position, I would agree with Mia. It really depends on what type of security, cybersecurity work you do because it's a huge umbrella. There's a lot of different jobs within cybersecurity. And then it also depends on what region of the United States you're in. For example, uh, if you are in um, Colorado, if you work from Colorado, there's a certain range and it's pretty good. It's not, it doesn't pay too bad here. But if you're in o Omaha, a cybersecurity job might run you 60, but it depends on the position now. But the average might be 60. And then the upper end of that in a place like Virginia is a hundred thousand dollars, hundred and twenty thousand dollars is average there. It depends on what region, but the biggest thing is probably the position because as a cybersecurity architect, me is gonna command a greater amount of money than say myself, who's just an information system security officer. You know, I'm I'm gonna be those are two different scales, you know. So it depends on what you're doing. There's all kinds of jobs within cybersecurity. It's not just we're not just hacking stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, Mia said, um, I'm in Atlanta, but my salary is based out of Silicon Valley rates. So she's making like two hundred thousand dollars a year. So I'm crazy. Yeah. So that and that's it. it Georgia, it, Atlanta, Georgia is going to pay a, a lower rate than, say, Silicon Valley with Facebook or something like that. who are going to pay like a ridiculous amount of money. She, she's just the helicopters have to fly over her house and drop pallets of, of cash because that's Silicon Valley is they pay like crazy. DMV area is it depends on the position and what uh, what you have, what clearances. Oh, man, that's a great that's a great example. Brandon Brandon said that. So you got the location. So that's DMV is uh, Denver, Maryland, Virginia. You got Silicon Valley. You got the mid, uh, the uh, Midwest, which pays less. Uh, but then you also have security clearances, and you have experience. I would add experience there too. Security clearances are like if you have a top secret clearance or a secret secret clearance, or the non-clearance clearances, which is a public trust, which is not technically a security clearance, but um, they kind of put it in the same bucket. But all of those things matter when you're talking about how much money you you make. <clears throat> uh, I'm a senior security architect. <laughs> oh my god, you are making crazy, crazy money. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me see if I have any other um, questions here. Um, where are you reading from? Oh, sorry, uh, Mike. I'm uh, I'm actually on uh, tick. A bunch of people on TikTok are uh, are talking to me, so I've got a bunch of people on. For some reason, um, I've I've got so many people talking to me on TikTok, and um, wow. Let me see. Somebody said um, uh, the company asked me uh, what I wanted, and I said. For example, 180K, and the lady literally said, is that enough? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, seriously, East Coast is crazy. Uh, D.C., Virginia areas is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, they 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 definitely pay some money over there. Um, gotta say, what industry is that? Uh, did you ask for stock? Man, see, see the <laughs> this is crazy. There's a lot of people on here that are uh who are in the know, like they know some stuff. I'm learning some stuff right here. Did you ask for stock? So you've got a Silicon Valley person talking to a person from a con a high level contractor in in uh in um the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, and they're chatting it up. So <clears throat> get that bag. <laughs> So in in the um, Silicon Valley world, what they'll do and correct me if I'm wrong, Mia, but they'll pay you a whole bunch like you'll have a starting salary of like two hundred thousand or something crazy. Then they'll say on top of that, they'll say, OK, we also are going to give you fifty thousand dollars worth of stock. Right. So. Boom, like now you're making two hundred fifty thousand total total bag. Um, let me see. I was making 178,000 as an ISO. Wow. That's crazy. Y'all got me beat. <laughs> Y'all got me beat, man. Wow. That's impressive. I'm, I'm actually learning some stuff right now. And then, uh, somebody says, I'm, I was, I was making almost two hundred thousand. Wow! What? Where is this? Is this also uh, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area? Mike, Mike, is that the D.C., Virginia area? <clears throat> Somebody said, "Damn!" As an ISO. Yeah. So Mike over here on YouTube said I was making almost two hundred thousand as an ISO. And I, Mike, I want to ask, like, where were you? Is, is that the DMV area? And <clears throat> speaker said, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm underpaid. Says, uh, regarding salary, regarding salary, um, DMV area, yes. Come to think of it, I live in Maryland and work in Virginia. What's the difference? Isn't, isn't it like... Aren't they like so close? Like, aren't they like eight miles apart or something? Right. You also have to negotiate over time. So you have three years, tenure, and that, oh man, I didn't know you could do that. So you negotiate, like you can negotiate your tenure. So you mean like you can like say they can give you the stock and then say, say uh your your stock is already good, like right when you step in the door or at two years or whatever. I didn't, I didn't, I never thought of that. <laughs> Damn. Okay, so Mike says he was making 178000 as an ISO working in the DMV area. That sounds about right. I make $200,000 as a solution architect on the East Coast with AWS. There is money everywhere in IT. Absolutely. So, um... My question to you, user 77, is do you have a degree? 
200. So I've got somebody here saying that they're making 250,000 as a solution architect on the East Coast in AWS. I totally believe that because anything that says architect is 200, I mean, or more. So yeah, architect is serious. And then it's cloud on top of that and your AWS. Yeah, that's money right there. So my, my question to you, user 77 is, is that with a degree? And how many years of experience do you have? I'm curious. Mia, who is a solution, a senior solution architect, who won't mention how much money she makes, who's working out of Silicon Valley. If they don't say how much money they make, you know it's some crazy money. You know it's something unreasonably stupid. <laughs> has no degree. Mia has no degree and is a senior solution architect working out of Silicon Valley. User77 says, uh, yes, CIS degree, okay, computer uh, science, computer science degree, plus AWS certification and 20 years. Okay, well, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Well, I, I got to say, I'm impressed, guys. Like, I'm, I'm, I have to work two jobs to make that kind of money. But, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm not uh, choosing the right jobs. <laughs> Well, I can't say that. I can't say that. I'll take that back. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing OK. I'm doing. Okay. Um, uh, I agree 100 percent on a on a pressure cooker. The DMV. Yes, DMV. But it was a pressure cooker. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bruce interested in moving? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that's the that's the kicker right there. I'm I'm very comfortable where I'm at, you know. I got kids and stuff. <clears throat> so I'm trying to stay where I'm at. And that has been the 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 thing that's kind of held me back is that I'm I'm very I'm a very I'm I'm very picky about what I want. I'm very, very picky about it. And because of that, it's kind of limited me. Because if I was willing to travel or if I was willing to go to the pressure cooker, DMV. If I was willing to even work for some of those pressure cooker companies as a like a director or something or a senior architect or something where it's a little bit more stressful, I know I could demand a little bit more, you know, in the 200 range for and I just I'm I just kind of I'm looking for like a specific amount of freedom, if that makes any sense. <clears throat> I'm just at this point in my life where I've. I really want my time. You know what I mean? I've, I've just I've done a lot of stressful jobs and I'm kind of done with it. Do not move. It's a pain. <laughs> I thought, you know, in the beginning, I thought I, I thought about it. Um. <laughs> Smart move, Mia. Don't say nothing else. <laughs> See, Mia's making some money. She's not saying nothing, man. When when people don't say how much money they make, they're making some crazy money. <laughs> don't say nothing, man. <laughs> Keep your bag. Uh, let me see. A lot of a lot of security, cybersecurity jobs are now becoming remote. Yeah, absolutely. Sea turtles uh, is is absolutely right about that. I've been getting nonstop remote job offers man lately you know just just to let you guys 
know like a lot of the job. I don't know it's because of my resume, the way I worded my, I'm sure it's partly part the way I word my resume, but also I'm just getting a whole bunch of other remote job offers and it's just, I'm just shocked. It used to be so hard to find them. Um, <laughs> yes, I work 100% remote. Wow. Me too. Um, you don't always need a degree to do tech. Uh, man, there's some there's some freaking people who really know what's up on here on TikTok. If you guys didn't know, like you people on YouTube, man, uh, there's a conversation happening on TikTok. Um, you can join us. It's it's interesting. I'm just gonna read some of the comments. This is really some of this is gold. Uh, let me see. Um, Lamps Lamp Seeker says it's true. And do contractors are uh, are trying hard to get ISO jobs to be at least at least hybrid? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of the interviews that I had uh, that came up. And if it wasn't hybrid, to be honest with, you, I mean, if it was anything less than what I wanted for remote, I was it wasn't a good chance I was going to take that job. Uh, COVID work from home opened up the world. Uh, yeah, it sure did. It absolutely did. Cause it used to be, I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. It used to be hard to find remote jobs. Now they're just like flowing. How many remote jobs can you do at once? It depends. So you could, you can do like a part-time, you can do like what I've done in the past is you can do like one full-time, right? And that's your main bread and butter. And then somebody comes along and says, Hey, could you do this? I need somebody to do the security plan for me, right? If you know it's like part-time work, you can just tell them, well, I can do this for you, but it's going to take me X amount of time and it's part, what are you offering and how much time do you need it? And I can't do meetings. Like I, I, I can only do meetings on this day. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can work it out to where you could do one, one at one, but it depends. I mean, maybe you can do multiple, you know, it depends on what type of job that's out there. So, you know, um, do you know who's hiring tech without degrees? Man, there's all kinds of companies hiring tech, technical people without degrees. What's really important is the, um, is the experience level. Like somebody on here said there's a solution architect, cloud architect for AWS. They don't need a degree um, because a lot of companies, if they really want you to architect their cloud for them, they're looking for, OK, how many years of experience does this guy have? And then how much how many cloud solutions has she done? And if you if you come to them and say, listen, you get in the interview and they're like, listen, I've done this from for for uh, NASA. I've done this for Department of Defense. I've done it for several private companies. I know how to set up this kind of cloud architecture. I know how to do this one. I know how to do platform as a service. I know how to do the security on an infrastructure as a service. Here's all. Here's my resume. Here's if if you have all of that stuff and you've had like five years of experience doing this stuff and you're solid. And then the technical team gets in there and they vet you. They're asking you technical questions and you're just knocking. You're just getting home runs. Yeah, you don't need a degree. It's really it's really uh, experience based. If you have the experience to do it, then you 
you might not need a degree, man, like or a certification for that matter. If you have enough experience, I've been in positions where the highest paid person on the site had no degree and no certification. The dude was brilliant. That's that's the kicker and had experience. So with the Department of Defense. So the dude was most one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Caveat. Dude is most one of the most brilliant people. And right now is a, like a CEO of some company. Like I see the dude on LinkedIn. It's super. And I'm not even shocked. I'm like, this dude is brilliant. One time he told me in confidence, we're on this site. And this dude's teaching everybody. Has no degree, no, no certifications. And this dude says, hey, I know I've never told anybody this was now. This was like 10 years ago. So I should be good now. So he goes, you know, then he was teaching us how to use this system. Like it was a intrusion detection system or something. And he's teaching us like he's teaching from the highest person all the way to the lowest how to use the system. And he takes me aside. He's like, I didn't know how to use this system before I got here. I was like, what? <laughs> He said on the plane, he learned how to use the system. This dude was so brilliant. Now, keep in mind, the dude had X years of experience doing networking. He worked for the uh, Department of Defense for some time. The dude was brilliant. He had all experience. So he just learned how to do it on the plane. And then when he got off the plane, taught us how to do it. And we had a, a, a gigantic infrastructure going. No joke. One of the smartest humans I've ever met. Scary smart, like one of those people who's so smart, you could tell if this guy turned to evil, a lot of people are gonna die. <laughs> I'm glad he's on our side. One of the one of those kind of people. I've met a few in my life. Um, you must need a browser and Udemy to get you. You just need a browser and Udemy to get to learn certifications. My job is demanding. You can count. Uh, you can only. IT. Oh, you can count on it. Um, let me see. What else? So many. Whoa, there's a lot of conversation happening. This is awesome. Yeah, Udemy is awesome. Udemy is really, really great, especially for entry-level stuff. Um, AWS is great as the group you're in. Um, let me see. AWS was racist towards me? Okay, you got to explain this story. They preferred, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, they preferred white men over me and my technical knowledge was superior. You know, when I get in those situations, Mia and everybody else, and this stuff does happen. When I get in those situations, my, my thinking is, uh, if if an organization can't, can't get out of their own way, and if I'm going to be a problem, if my skin color is going to be a problem there, then I don't want to work there, to be honest with you. I'm not going to waste my time. And it's their loss because I'm one of the best at what I do. So I'm great at talking to people. I come in there to work. You know, I'm not messing around. I'm trying to get the job done. If they do not want me, if they do not want my expertise because of my skin color, then I do not want to be there. They don't deserve my time. They don't deserve my expertise. Uh, and I don't want to work there anyway. That's how I feel about it. You know, it's it's like this. It's kind of like uh, Muhammad Ali said it best. He said, he said, 
he was in the South and he was like doing a boxing match or something. And he was in the South and uh, some diner wouldn't serve him. And uh, he said like his, the type of person he was, he's like, okay, you don't want my money? I'm out. He left. But he said that another boxer would have made a point about it. He was talking about Black Jack Johnson because Black Jack Johnson was a boxer from the 19, from the 1920s. And this man, like if you haven't seen a documentary about this man, this dude was a special kind of human. Like this dude was a six foot four black man, tall, dark skinned man. And he was whooping. He was beating the he was beating the hell out of people. He looked like a. It looked like Mike Tyson was boxing people. You know those old time boxers that box like this. He was knocking them dudes. It didn't even look fair, man. If you Google Black Jack Johnson, it is shocking. <laughs> this dude is. He was so dominant. He, he he was knocking people out, and this is the 1920s, and he was the he was the heavyweight champion of the world, and. My, so what Muhammad Ali was saying was that that dude, he would have walked in that diner, ate all the stuff and walked out with a couple white girls. You know what I mean? He did not care. And people were trying, they were trying to lynch him and all this stuff. This dude did not give a damn. But uh, Muhammad Ali says, I'm not Black Jack Johnson. I'm not trying to fight. I'm I'm trying to, if you don't want me to eat at your store, I'm out. And that's me. Like, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not trying to work at your place. If you if you can't get past my skin color, like, I'm gone, man. I don't care. You'll never hear from me again. I don't care. Like, I'll work. And, and that's just how I feel about it. Um, I mean, you can like for me, the way I feel about it is that you can you can feel however you want to about me. If you can't get past your if you can't get past skin color, then there's no need for us to talk. But you can. I'm all about free speech. If you can feel and think however you want, I don't, I'm not going to contest it. I, I, it's a waste of my time to try to change your mind about something that you, you've been thinking 30 years. I'm not, I'm not your savior. you you can go live how you want. I don't care. Like I'm going to live how I want to live. I value my freedom. So I value your freedom. Go believe how you want. And if your company, put you in a position of power where you have that much control over people of color, then I don't want to work there. That's how, that's how I feel about it. I have a strong feeling about that. I'm not fighting no battles. This is not, I'm not doing no civil rights stuff at your company that I'm leaving. I'm here to make money. <laughs> if you don't want to, yeah, I'm out. That's how I feel about it. Uh, let me see. Anyone here ever go to Afrotech? No, I don't. I'm not sure what is that. Educate us. Thanks for acknowledging. It's hard for a lot of people. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Hey, Joker. I just. Hey, Joker. I just read your comment, man. I appreciate you. Uh, let me see. What was your comment again? You said WGU is the route that I would go. Yeah, this was great. Man, this was great. A great comment, by the way. I appreciate this. Um, WGU is the route that I would go to start over. 
And there was a dude on, I was just talking about, there was a dude on TikTok who did this. Dude's, this white dude named Chris on TikTok. He's breaking down. The dude like recently went viral. And that's what I was talking about because he was like in another country working this um, six-figure job. And he said he went to WGU. It took him like six months to complete the degree. I think he got either a bachelor's or a master's an accelerated course and got the OCP. And then uh, after that was offered all these jobs. And I'm like, damn, that's that was, br- that was a brilliant move. That's how you do it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Actually, let me put your comment up since I was just talking about it. So right now I've got a whole bunch of people on TikTok who are talking to me. So I'm just uh, engaging in their conversation here. Uh, Let me see here. That's why tech is great, um, is that you know first, you know, it's what you know first and not your color. Yeah, I would say so. Um, in my experience, in, in my part, I mean, I know stuff happens with, with racial stuff and everything. But the thing is, if a company really needs their cloud stuff set up, they're going to put the racial stuff on pause. They're going to be like, listen, <laughs> I don't care who is going to put this up. We need our cloud stuff up right now. We need, we just got a breach. I don't care what color your skin is. We need to fix this stuff right away. That's been my experience with it. Have I experienced racism? Absolutely. Um, Particularly in the military, there was some stuff that happened, but for the most part, if they, if they're calling me, then there's an emergency. It's kind of like, First responders, if somebody's on the ground having a cardiac arrest, they're not going to be like, I don't want I don't want a black paramedic to touch me. You know, what I mean, they're like, this dude's having a heart attack. You know, (laughs) this dude has a heart attack. We need to administer first aid. We need to get bring the paddles. That's what's happening. If, If they're hiring me, then I'm the emergency dude that's there and they they want me to do perform a miracle. Like they like, I don't, I'm not, don't care that you're bald. I don't care that you're short. I don't care that you're black. I just, could you fix this stuff? And then when I do my work, they're like, oh my Lord, this guy's staying here forever. Somebody said, uh, post, post breach. Uh, they're only, <laughs> there's only one color and that's green. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, people are racist. People work in companies. Absolutely. Absolutely. People are racist. I'm, what I'm saying is it. I don't care. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying what I'm saying is this. And I know this is controversial. What I'm saying is if a company, if if people are. First of all, let me let me explain something. If I have peers and they're being racial to me, I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to fix some shit and leave. I don't give a damn how they feel. I don't care who they voted for. I'm not there to talk about politics. And they sometimes they'll think I'm on their team. They're like, they'll start talking to me about politics. Like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, okay, I got some work to do. 
and then I'm working. And I don't care what side of the fence they're on. I don't care. I'm there to I'm I feel like I'm doing drywall. If if you if you call your dude, if you call your your fix it guy to come in and do drywall, you want them to fix the drywall. I don't care what your political leanings are. I don't care. You could have been wearing a freaking clan. Like, don't listen, fix my drywall. It, it reminds me of that Dave Chappelle uh, uh, skit that he did. He said, he said that <laughs> he could be walking in KFC and people could have a clan mask on. And he's, <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he said, I asked for a two piece. What's all this attitude? You know what I mean? Like, I just want my drywall fixed. And when I come in and I'm doing some some work on cybersecurity, it's the same. I have the same attitude. I'm here to fix your drywall and I'm I'm out of here. I'm not here to be a friend. I don't care what your political leanings are. I don't care if you're wearing a MAGA hat. I'm here to fix your stuff and I'm out. We don't have to be buddies. We don't have to agree. I'm here to make money. Period. Period. That's how I feel about it. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but I, I don't. And to be perfectly, I know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I know it's supposed to be like kumbaya and all of us come together. And I, I'm i just, I'm just there to get money. I'm not, it's a job to me, you know? And I, <clears throat> I know that it's supposed to be all team and let's do this together and, Man, if let me tell you something, if if there's gonna be some controversy, like some racial tension or something like that, I'm leaving. It's I'm I don't want to waste my time with that stuff. That's a waste of my valuable time. I do not care. I'm not there to save the world. I'm not there to to solve racism. I'm not there to none of that. I'm I'm there to make money and get the hell out of there. That's how I feel about it. And if there's some kind of racial stuff going on or some kind of controversy. I'm like, okay, two weeks notice, I'm out. I'm gonna go to a company that that knows what the hell they're doing. I'm gonna get I'm gonna go to a company that hasn't put uh people uh people's uh political leanings and racial stuff before um before making money. Like we're here to make money. We're here to fix this stuff, we're here to make money. That's what we're here, here to do. I'm not here to waste time. That's honestly how I feel about it. I know that's not popular. I, I know that's not like PC, but man, I don't care. I'm just there to make money. It's just a job to me. <clears throat> Bro, you don't have to explain. We're all there. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, I just, that's, I feel very, very strongly about it. Um, Very, very strongly about it. You know, after work, you know, maybe we get, if they're cool, you know, maybe that we can have a beer or something, we can hang out or whatever. But at work, man, I really, I just don't, I just, I really don't care. <laughs> like, I'm there to make money and that's it. And and I'm, I'm there to put my hours in to do, to create the policy or whatever the hell they have me doing. And then I'm out of there. You know what I mean? Like, I am not trying to mess up my bag. And if they're trying to mess up the bag, I'm leaving. I am leaving. I'm not going to put up with no, don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. I'm not going to put up with some company's BS or if I have a boss that's that's an asshole or something, 
And let me tell you something like my problem hasn't been racial stuff. That racial stuff has happened before. But most of my problem is dealing with assholes and assholes come in every gender. Every race. Every level of the organization has them. That's been my problem. It's been assholes. To be honest with you, just assholes. That's it. What is a policy um, like cybersecurity policy or um, stuff like that? Like I'll I'll like write um, policy for an organization. That's just one or a system security plan that breaks down all the security features of the organization or something like that. Security policy or conditional access policy. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my problem is and I know I know I'm talking to some cybersecurity people who know what I'm talking about. My my main problem has been assholes. Not it it hasn't been uh, the assholes are the ones who are perpetuating some of the racial stuff. But uh, Bruce, do you do contract work? Yes, from time to time I'll do contract work. I don't I don't have contracts. I haven't been lucky enough to get a contract. Um, but I'll work on contracts with with somebody. I'll I'll work with an organization who already has a contract. And they'll be like, hey, we, Bruce, we need you to do, you know, a, this plan or policy or we need you to do do information security, poly, uh, system security stuff or something like that. Firewall rules, policies. I don't I don't do firewall stuff. Firewall rules policy also. Yes, exactly. Let me see. Let me see here. Um, wow, this has been this has been a great conversation. That's really really amazing. Like I'm, thank you guys for commenting. Some of you, um, like Mia and um, and uh, user seven seven and Sea Turtle. Wow, I can tell you guys have been doing this for quite some time. And some other people here, I've actually learned some stuff talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate your comments putting us all on game, learning so many new things from you guys. Um, and I'm about to, I'm about, I've been doing this talking for about two out, two and a half hours. It's been great. I don't normally go for this long, but I really appreciate it. Thank you guys on YouTube for watching. I appreciate you guys. I'm out of here. Catch me. Um, just try to do another one tomorrow, but if not tomorrow, I'll do one next week. I usually do it at one o'clock mountain standard time. If you want to jump on there, and appreciate you guys. Talk to you guys later.